Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, everything that you've done this morning, everything that you want to keep on doing. I pray that as we, we leave church this morning that you'll be with us, that you will, um, no, I know you'll be with us, but, but may, may we focus on you. Father, give us ears to hear today, eyes to see, minds that can comprehend hearts with fertile soil, and feet that want to run with obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. So because of um, a few other things, I'm going to skip a lot of the first part of the sermon because the second part is really where I wanted to share today. First part was good, but, but really what we see here is to wrap up Acts 23, um, you know, Paul's facing the Sanhedrin. What he ended up doing is he faced 70 people and he was sharing his story about what took place and they were accusing him of other things. And then he said something that ticked off one side and then that just threw everything in an uproar. And then because now there's this big uproar, Paul's thrown into the barracks and that's where we kind of stopped last week. So then Paul's in the barracks, um, wrapping up 23 for you real quick. Paul's in the barracks um, some people on the outside are plotting to kill him, so they said, we're going to take 40 guys, and when Paul comes out, we're going to ambush him, and we're going to murder him, and we're not going to eat or drink until Paul's dead. Crazy, crazy promise, isn't it? Well, Paul didn't die by their hands, so no way that they ended up um, fasting that long. So what ended up happening is Paul's nephew hears about this, God's pro, uh, providence. Paul's nephew hears about it, comes and tells Paul. Paul then tells him to tell another dude. The nephew shares with another dude, and then that guy ends up getting Paul out safely. And what he provided for Paul was 200 soldiers and 70 horsemen with another 200 on, on backup. So at nighttime, by 270 men, Paul was transported to Caesarea. And um, that's where we are today in Acts 24. Now, we're still um, going pretty quickly so we can get to the meat. But he's transferred from Jerusalem to Caesarea Paul's facing Ananias, the high priest, and the elder from the council once again. And the elders from the council once again. This time, though, when he's giving his trial or presenting his case during the trial, he is before Felix, the Roman governor. So the trial begins. And Paul's accusers will make their case, right? Um... Tertullus began to, uh, he started, so this attorney, what he began to do is he started to give great praise to Felix because Felix is the um, govern, governing authority. So he's like, hey, Felix, I really like your shoes, and those blue jeans really look nice. And, and that braided hair, that braided hair, I'll tell you what, and the bun. I didn't see the bun. And how many of you guys like Dave's man bun? We're going to speak words of life. <laughs> so, David, your hair is nice. 
But that's what happened is, is he was very patronizing, right? He was patronizing to the governing authority as he was presenting his case. Because really what he was, he was doing is he was giving high praises, but the high praises were not true because Felix did many bad things. So the charges were then put against Paul. And here, here were the charges against Paul. Paul was a plague. He was a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world. He was a ringleader of the sect of, of, of a sect of Nazarenes. And he was blasphemous towards the temple. Now, I'll ask you this. Of what we've learned about Paul thus far, was Paul any of those things? No, he wasn't. So, Tertullus um, gives his timeline of the events now. So, the attorney's presenting his, his timeline. So, here's what he says. The Jews had seized Paul. They wanted to judge him according to their law. Um, the, command, the commander took Paul out of their hands with great violence, and then um, he commanded them to appear before Felix to make these accusations. The attending Jews agreed with those statements. So now Paul gets to speak, right? He gets his defense. So Felix motioned to Paul. Paul acknowledged that Felix was the judge of Israel for many years. And Paul was happy to present to him because of that. So Paul reviewed the events, um, and, and this is what he said. He said, you know, it had only been 12 days since I, since I was in Jerusalem worshiping. So the Jews did not find Paul in the temple causing any problems. And this is summarizing, so if you go read this, um, you'll, you'll see this. He did not instigate the crowd either in the synagogues or the city. His accusers could not prove the charges brought against him. But Paul confessed one thing, his faith. And here's what he said. Um, he follows the way which, it, which they called a sect, but he worshiped Jesus. Believing all things written in the law and the prophets. This is what he, this is what, um, he confessed that he hoped in the resurrection of the dead and that he strived to have a clear conscience without offense towards God and man. That was his confession. Paul concluded his defense with this. After many years, he came to bring alms and offerings to his nation. Jews found him ceremonial clean in the temple with no crowd or disturb disturbance. If these Jews had objections, objections against him, they should now be before Felix. So if you were going to accuse me of something, and it was only 12 days ago, where are you? Felix is making this stuff up. It's not true. Those present can only bring one charge against Paul. This charge was found in Acts 23, verse 6. That in the council standing before them, he shouted out with one statement. Concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you today. That statement is the only thing those present could attest. The charges made by Tertullus, um, <laughs> that name gets me every time, 
were based on heresy and without proof. Having heard both sides, Felix made his choice. And his choice was to wait. He's waiting. And that's where we pick up what I feel the most important part today, which will coincide with what God was already doing this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Acts 24, verse 22. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, uh, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his need. So Felix, he was well aware of the way. He delayed the decision, and Paul was kept by a centurion, but he could meet with friends and family members. Verse 24, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul, and this is what's really important. Look at the theme that's being created this morning. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. So what we see is Felix was listening, which was a good thing. I even wonder right now, are you guys still listening or are you checked out? <laughs> and you're just like, I'm just so caught up in the spirit. I'm in the third heaven. The presence of God is on me. Don't you be lying now. We talked about that earlier. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about his faith in Jesus Christ. And I say this today. Will you listen to me as I talk about my faith in Jesus Christ? Will you listen as we talk about Jesus Christ today? And if we want to see a nation and a community come back to Christ and to see revival take place, then we first need to start listening. The starting place is to listen. You hear that, the starting place. You know what I didn't say? Is the start and the finish. Listening's just not good enough and we're gonna figure that out. So Felix was a good listener. And sometimes as a church, this is where we can fail. Our bodies are here, but our minds are eating the third scoop of General So's chicken. Right? Anyone ever been there? Your body is here, but your mind is eating La Palma. I've been there. I'd hate to say I've done it while I've been preaching. <laughs> we're just putting it all out there though man that chipotle burrito is going to taste so good today in the name of jesus i'm praying and just chipotle coming in my mind get behind me satan or i could say taste and see that the lord is good <laughs> depends on how spiritual i want to be my point is this is we have to listen 
When we come here each week, when we engage a small group, when we're reading the Bible, when we're listening to the Bible, when we're listening to a sermon, we must be fully engaged. Because today is a life and death situation for someone that we know. Someone associated with this church will know someone that's dying or, or has died in the past week. Today is a life and death situation and we need to listen. But I say this, listening without our hearts in it means nothing. Listening without application might mean there's not a heart change. It isn't about knowing what's right. It's about being made right through Christ. You can know what's right, but if you're not made right through Christ, what good was what you heard? And if I'm made right in Christ, I can no longer just listen, but I must start doing. And you say, here we go again, this theme of Joey's preaching that I get offended with because he's calling me to do something. Well, you already forgave me 27 minutes ago. <laughs> and then you prayed for me, so I'm just gonna caution you to quit being rebellious, Forrest. Quit running. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Listening without application suggests no heart change. We need to be obedient. So what Felix, so Felix listened, but the way that he listened mattered. And I'll tell you this, point number one today is the way that I listen, the way that you listen matters. Luke chapter eight, verse 16. No, light, uh, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. Do y'all do that? You don't. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enters the house. For all that uh, is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known. So no one should hide their light, right? So when I ask you to represent Jesus within your house, within your community, I'm not asking you to do something that I've made up, I'm asking you to do what's actually really practical. What's practical is you are the light of the world, right? Jesus came to live inside of you and now we've become the light of the world. So why would you, as the light of the world, then cover yourself up? That's not what you're called to do. Why would you hide under a bed or a chair? Why would you cover your light? That's what the scripture's saying. As a Christian, we're not called to hide. But let's continue in uh, Luke 8 real quick. So because you're not called to hide, because you're supposed to bring light, this is what it tells us to do. So pay attention to how you hear. Felix needed to pay attention to how he heard. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. Who wants more understanding this morning? Raise your hand. Who needs more understanding this morning? Keep your hand raised. I need it. 
So the way that I listen actually matters. So if I'm not fully engaged when I read the Bible, when I'm praying, when I'm listening to God, or when I'm listening to whoever's preaching up here, then I don't care about the knowledge that I'm receiving in my heart. The way that we listen matters. And here's what it says. But, but those who are not listening, that's scary. Because I sit there, and I've been there, or I'm up here, and sometimes I'm not listening. So there's a warning for those people who are thinking about their food. And here's the warning. Even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. That's scary. If you're not listening well, if you're not engaged with your heart, the things that you think you know will be taken away from you. How many of you guys ever felt like there was a season in your life that you just forgotten some Bible? I have. I was talking to Macy about it last week. I'm like, Macy, have you ever had a season where you feel like you've forgotten Bible? What do you think she said? No. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> You're the holy one in this relationship. You're the pure one in this relationship. So this application means nothing to you, woman. Let me tell you about me, though. Why do you think I need to paraphrase some stuff sometimes? Because my heart has not been fully engaged in the things that I think that I know God will take from me. I'm all about receiving gifts. And when I get those gifts, I'm all about keeping those gifts. I don't want God to steal anything from me, and I don't want, not steal, I don't want God to take anything from me, and I don't want God to take anything from you. Amen? So listen, be engaged. We're gonna continue verse 19. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. And this is how Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. Listen, hear, my mother and my brother. So what he's saying is my people, my family are those who are listening, but not only listening, they're obeying it. So as a church, guess what we can no longer do? We can no longer just listen because half the time we're not even doing that. We can't just listen. I am God's family when I listen and obey. And if I cannot look back at the past six months of my life or the past three months or the past two weeks, I'm gonna be easy and stop there. If I can't look back at the past two weeks of my life and find an area where I've listened to God and obeyed it, then I need to start questioning my heart. Am I really who I say I am? And you're like, but I don't hear God's voice. Just read your word. Just read the word and you'll hear God's voice. You don't need to hear an audible voice. You don't need to have a dream. You don't need some random person to come tell you what God thus saith the Lord for you. 
Where were you when I was hungry? Where were you when I was thirsty? Where were you when I was in jail? Look out for the orphans and the widows. If you don't like the things that God calls you to, please don't point your finger at me. Right? I'm not making these words up. And because I care about you, I want you to know about them. Because if I made them up, be like, new car for you, and new car for you, and new car for you. I don't get to make them up. My mother and my brothers are those who listen and hear God's word and obey it. Point number two, listening isn't enough. God wants hearers and God wants doers. Obedience. I'm not asking you to become hearers and doers for my benefit. I'm asking you for you and your benefit. I'm not making this up. Doing is part of scripture, God says. Now you're like, now wait a second, Joey. Like, are you, are you telling me to do so much because it's not about works, Joey, so that no one can boast? Well, yeah, you, you can't earn your way to heaven, and it's not about your works, it's about who Jesus is. But who Jesus is should transform you in such a way that you become hearers and doers. Because Jesus also says, listen and do. Those who hear the word and obey the word are my children. So it, it's kind of weird, isn't it? In each of them, each, each way we have to check our heart. When I, when I serve in children's ministry or when I sweep the floors at the church, am I doing it out of a work of I need to do this or God's gonna be mad at me or am I doing it because I love God? Transformed hearts do it because they love God. So Felix listened, but we will soon learn, soon learn that Felix didn't do. I want to look at a few more scriptures real quick about listening and doing. Revelation 1, verse 3. God blesses the one who reads the word of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Listen and obey. John 13. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus put an emphasis on knowing and doing, not knowing and thinking about it. Don't you feel like as a church, we sometimes just, we know what we should be doing, but we just think about it a lot? Amen? Not amen, but you get my point. What would be the opposite of amen? I don't know yet. You guys can think about it. Knowing and doing. Luke 13, verse 27. Sorry, Luke 11, verse 27. As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. 
Do you guys want to be blessed this morning? I do. I want to be blessed and I want you to be blessed. But I would say this, the blessing isn't coming because you're not hearing and doing. Some of you aren't even hearing. Some of you are hearing and doing. But as a church, if, as individuals, if we really want to be blessed by God, start hearing and doing. So God says jump, you say yes sir. God says walk through that storm, you say I'm scared but I'll follow you. Hear him and do it. He says love the orphans and the widows, love the orphans and the widows. Look out for the weak, look out for the weak. Offer the piece of the body that you are, offer your gift, your talent, whatever you have to see the kingdom furthered. We can be more blessed than Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, if we listen and put into practice the things that we hear. Does that get anyone excited? When I ask you to do something for God, it's not for my benefit. I see it in scripture and I want you to benefit from it. See, there are many people who are like Felix. This church has been like, since we're being bold this morning, this church has been like Felix for for some time. They hear what is required of them and then it scares us, resulting in us only wanting it when it becomes convenient, right? We know that God has an expectation of us and we don't want to deal with that expectation and I believe that's what Felix is dealing with. Paul's talking to him about Jesus Christ and about some requirements and Felix is like, hey, you know what? That makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I'll come to you when it's convenient. We can't continue... (laughs) If I told Macy I'm only gonna come to you and love you and serve you when it's convenient for me, how well would that work out? What what it would expose is this, is I really don't love her. If you're only going to God when it's convenient for you throughout the week, and there's no covenant commitment to him to the best of your abilities, you're never gonna do it perfect, but if you can't do that, then, then you probably lied to yourself about the way that you love him. And you know what I've told God before a lot of times? God, I've lied to myself a lot about how much I love you. I've convinced myself that I love you more than my heart actually does. So do whatever it takes to get me to that place. Let's not be like Felix anymore, right? Let's not be like Felix and, and hear it and then only want it when it's convenient. Let's not be like Felix and out of fear run from obedience. Because here's what Paul says, or here's what Paul talked about. Verse 25. As, As Paul's talking to Felix, this is what he says. As Paul talked about righteousness, self control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. At the time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, bribe, a bride. <laughs> Just kidding. At the time, he was hoping that 
Paul would offer him a bribe. So he went for him frequently and talked with him. So he was coming for something. He heard the good news. He heard about righteousness. He heard about self-control. And he heard about judgment to come. And that wasn't what he was willing to say yes to. The gospel message is in your face. The message of Jesus is not easy. And the message of Jesus will offend you. Will you say yes to it? Felix, who had a lot, had that message preached to him, and it sounds like he was trying to get saved at the last hour, when it was convenient. When Paul, when Paul talks about biblical things, it made Felix uncomfortable. Though he listened, he was unwilling to consider it until it was convenient for him, much of where the American church is. Waiting until Jesus fits their time rather than seeking Christ first. Maybe that's where Felix's heart was. People's opinions of him mattered more than saying yes to Jesus. Maybe Felix didn't find value in the gospel. But as Christians, we must become hearers and doers. Do you see, Felix heard, but it wasn't convenient, so he didn't do. And the action that I'm looking for, that I wanted Felix to do, was to say, Jesus, or I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I repent of all my sins. I believe that he died on the cross and rose three days later for my sin. And then to live a biblical life from there. That's what I was looking for. So he heard, he didn't do. Hearing is only a piece of the job. Hearing and applying is required. We can't just keep coming to church and hearing. We can't just go to small group and hear. That is only half. So if, if you hear and you don't apply, what do you have? Nothing. I think actually what you have is more trouble coming your way because you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it. As we're practicing being more honest, I raise my hand today saying that there's things that God's calling me to do that I'm not. And I'm trying to repent of my sin. I'm confessing it to you today. There's things that God has asked me to do and I'm not doing it because I feel like I'm not qualified, like I'm um, unprepared, uneducated, all those things, right? I'm confessing and I'm asking God to help me repent and turn, turn from those sins. Likewise, I'm sure, how many of you guys feel like there's things that God's asking you to do that you're not doing right now? Let's just keep each other accountable. Amen? So hearing and not doing equals nothing. Felix met with Paul several times, yet he wasn't interested in taking the word to heart. So I ask you, are you interested in being obedient today? Are you interested in taking the next step? I'm not asking you to become an evangelist. What I'm asking you to do is start listening and applying God's word, and that will um, naturally just make you start sharing your faith. 
that will result in you sharing your faith. Listening and applying the word will result in you sharing your faith. One of my friends has a shirt that just says Jesus on it, and he runs um, Fellowship Christian Athletes out in Seattle area. Hundreds of wrestlers, just hundreds of wrestlers coming to Christ. And I'm thinking, I just need that shirt. I just need to start wearing Jesus shirts everywhere because as a declaration that I might not have the boldness to start the conversation, but someone else certainly will. Hey, I like your shirt. Or, hey, you idiot. Or, you're a bigot. Well, let's talk about that. So I'm thinking I want to get some Jesus shirts. Blue, uh, what a red for the Buckeyes and the blood of Jesus. Um... Listen and apply. I'm not asking you to become the evangelist. Just represent God wherever you are. I'll say this meaningful and gracious. If you don't want to apply the Bible to your daily life, you might not be a Christian. Do you realize that? If we don't, I'm not, I'm not saying be perfect because you can't be. I'm not saying works get you to heaven because they don't. But what I'm saying is if there's not a transformation within your heart where you say, I hear the word, now I'm applying some of the word, then I don't think that you've bought into Christianity. I think you've bought into a form of Christianity. The form by which you've created, not by which God set. So if I want to be a true Christian, then I follow the standard by which God set, and that's uh, a lot of it I don't like. But what I do know is following him leads to these blessings and this peace and contentment that I can never um, imagine. James 1, and, and we're wrapping up. James 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Have I shown you enough scriptures about listening and doing today? I'm not asking you to become an evangelist in Mechanicsburg, West Liberty, Catawba, Urbana, Belfountain, Springfield, Mechanicsburg, London, West Jefferson, Marysville, or wherever you work. What I'm asking you to do is listen and obey God. And out of that, his spirit will flow in and through you. Point three, righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment matter to God. Those are three areas that significantly matter to God and that's why Paul was talking about them. These topics are not popular today. However, Paul was urging Felix to make changes in his life, to consider his standing before God. These words right here, um, righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, they've been spoken in church land for years, right? Each week people talk about, do you think the end is near? Do you think the end is near? These words have been spoken about so much that it's almost as if we're just dull to them now. 
However, Paul was urging Felix to make these changes in these areas. It is time to take our understanding of these words and apply them to our lives. Maybe um, you're never gonna become 100% righteousness within, righteous within yourself. The blood of Jesus has to do that work. You're never gonna possess self-control or have enough determination, determination within yourself, but the Holy Spirit will lead you in those areas of self-control. In the coming judgment, we better make sure that we're dressed in white when we face Jesus. It's time to take those things and start applying them. And if I know that I'm safe from the coming judgment, how come I only care about myself and not someone else? How horrible that our neighbors and our loved ones and our coworkers, we just don't care. We, we care more about the projects that we have going on at home and how much that stresses us out more than we do someone else's soul going to heaven. Anyone ever been there? Because I have. It's like, I got these projects going on at home. I don't have time to talk to Betty today. I don't have time to talk to Sharon or Bob, the builder. <laughs> I don't have time. What? So, so when I face God one day, I'm gonna say, God, I understood, I understood that I was called to preach the gospel. I understood that I'm called to love people. But my new flooring really mattered to me. I didn't have the bandwidth to talk to Betty or Sharon or Bob, the builder. I didn't have time to do it because I was so stressed out about the things that I wanted to add to my life that one day are going to burn up. Priorities. Listen and do. I'm not saying new floor is bad. I'm not saying new car is bad. But what I am saying is, is if my life is always on fixing my kingdom and my things, then when I face God one day, I'm gonna make it to heaven, of course, if, if, if I confess my sin. And Jesus is Lord, you, you guys know that. I'll make it to heaven, but I'll probably just be a street sweeper. My rewards will be nothing. See, we're storing up heavenly rewards. I don't want nothing when I get to heaven. Who wants to just be a, a street sweeper? Like, who really just wants that? No one. You want a lot. You want whatever a lot looks like to you. So it is time to take that understanding and apply it. So if we wake up tomorrow, guess what? We listen and we obey. We don't just have passionate conversations about what obeying would look like. Francis Chan had this great illustration several years ago. He said, you know what the church is now? He said, the church is basically like my kid. He said, I tell my kid to go clean their room. And then what my kid does is my kid comes back to me and they give me the definition of what cleaning a room looks like. And then after they give me a definition of what cleaning a room looks like, they then talk about the original language of the word. 
And then after they talk about the original language of the word, they then form a huddle with their siblings and they discuss what cleaning a room should look like. And they come up with strategies about cleaning a room. And then they come back to me and they say, Daddy, here's all the information. And you know what Daddy says? Did you clean your room or not? I don't care about how much lip service you're giving me. I care about, in your heart, you cared about me enough to say yes to whatever I've called you to. And the church within this region, not pointing a finger at individuals, but the church in this region doesn't. And we have to get back to that place. So you say, how can I hear and how can I do this week? because we're wrapping up. Here's how you do it. You read the word this week. Read it. You pray this week. You worship God in everything that you do this week. And then be willing to bring Christ's name up in conversations. Amen? That's how you do it. And then let God lead you. You know what? Following the Holy Spirit usually means you don't know what's coming next. It's a leap of faith. This morning we took a leap of faith. How many of you guys are happy we took a leap of faith this morning? We didn't know what was coming, but we trust. Bring up Christ's name in a conversation this week and then trust him. Guys, we, we can't be 30 years from now having the same conversations. We have to go from milk to meat. Yeah, may, maybe... Maybe my style of preaching at this point in my tenure is not expositorily looking at individual words and original language, but what good is that if we can't even have a church apply it? What good, if, what good is that if I'm not gonna apply it? What God's asking me to do at this point of my leadership is to stir you up in such a way that you're willing to take the simplest things of scripture and start to apply them. Because if not, we become the church that's telling our dad what, what the original language means with no application. Listen and apply. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would continually do what you did this morning that as we leave here today, we would be filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with peace, that church life and church experience would be something that we look forward to again. Father, I pray that, that because we're saying yes to you, because the workers are uh, few, but the harvest is plentiful, Father, but the few people that are saying yes to you, that more people will come to know you as Lord and Savior, that they will be set free from sin and death. Father, that even ourselves, that chains and snares would be broken. That shortcomings and insecurities would, would, and shame, Father, would be broken in Jesus' name. Help us have the courage to say yes this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to practice... Um, Courage to share the good news with a stranger. Practice sharing your testimony with your family member this week. Three minutes. Anyone do that this week?
Sweet, that's good, thank you. Practice sharing that.